All right, let's get to it. Happy Thursday. It is the official kickoff of the NFL's 2023-2024 season tonight. As the Kansas City Chiefs begin their Super Bowl title defense against the Detroit Lions. Welcome into Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. And yes, that'll be one of the big topics of the day for us here on Sportsnet today. The NFL season is finally here. Kicks off with Thursday night football. We'll dive into all NFL storylines with former All-Pro NFL linebacker Sean Merriman. He's going to join us a little bit later on here in hour one to get you prepped for another NFL season. Really looking forward to another chat with Sean. Also on the program today, our pal Adnan Verk joins us for his regular Thursday visit. You know, he's going to be excited for another season of Philadelphia Eagles football. We'll check in on the MLB playoff races with Adnan and also a stamps report coming your way with Patrick Dumas all in the next two hours before we hand things over to Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg on this Thursday afternoon. But uh, getting right to it today. Lots of news coming out last night from the NHL world that we're going to kick off the program with. Quickly say hello to my outstanding producers in the other room. We got Cam and Taylor along with us this afternoon. Feel free to shoot us a text. The fan feedback line always open to you at 960-960 if you're listening live. But we're kicking things off with a topic we didn't get a chance to talk about yesterday because it came on after we were off the air. And that was the news last night that as the season Continues to get closer in the NHL. There's still some work to be done for NHL GMs uh, in terms of young stars and potentially getting new deals. And one of those players cashed in big time yesterday. Elliot Friedman broke the news that the Ottawa Senators had signed Jake Sanderson to an eight-year, $64.4 million contract extension, locking up another key piece of their future. But many people raised their eyebrows, Sanderson, just a 21-year-old who had 77 games under his belt as a rookie with the Senators last season, putting up four goals and 28 assists. He was named to the NHL's all-rookie team on defense alongside Buffalo's Owen Power. The contract pays him $8.05 million annually, begins in 2024-2025, and runs through 2031-32. Sanderson will play the upcoming season on the final level of his entry-level contract. He's the youngest Senators player to sign a uh, recent long-term contract extension with the team, but uh, it's something that Ottawa has invested in heavily the last couple of years. They give Thomas Shabbat. He signed for eight years in 2019. Brady Kachuk signed a seven-year deal in 2021. Also had Tim Stutzla and Josh Norris and their eight-year packs that were signed last offseason, all of them coming between $7.95 million annually and $8.35 million. Uh, Sanderson, the fifth overall pick by the Ottawa Senators in the 2020 NHL draft. Before entering the NHL, he played two seasons at the University of North Dakota, also helping the United States to win gold at the 2021 World Junior Hockey Championship. So the Senators... Obviously liked what they saw after just one season of Jake Sanderson at the NHL level, and clearly he likes what he's seen in his short time in Ottawa. He spoke to the media on this Thursday about his contract extension staying in Ottawa long term. I'm, I'm excited. I drove in yesterday from Michigan, so 
uh, I got in around three or four, and uh, I went just straight to my place. And um, really, Greg was there, and we were kind of just unpacking everything in the place. And um, you know, got a phone call from the agent, um, and I was so excited. I tried to get a hold of my dad, but he was fishing, so he was on a river somewhere with no service. So I had to wait a couple hours. So I was kind of sweating out for a bit, but. Uh, once I got a hold of him uh, and my mom, you know, I told him right away, and I was so excited. So, uh, had to hop in the shower and put some nice clothes on uh, later that night. Pierre came over, so it was good. And what was your parents' reaction? Uh, they're just excited. Uh, they like Ottawa. It's easy for them to come to in the winter. It's a direct flight from Calgary, so it's nice for my family. And uh, uh, like I mentioned before, you just see, you know, the core group of guys showing commitment to the city and to the team. Um, you know, signing here long term. So, you know, I want to be a part of that. You mentioned Tim Brady mm -hmm. and their long extensions. Why did you want eight years? What was what was important with that longevity? I don't know. You just see, you see the chemistry in the in the locker room. Um, it's something that'll be here for a while, and I think um, we're gonna win within the next couple of years. We know that. So. Um, and I want to be here for it. So that's the that's the main thing. When you, while you play hockey, is to win the Stanley Cup. So um, you know that group in there, we're ready for it. Jake Sanderson, after signing that eight-year contract extension with the Ottawa Senators, and he mentioned a couple of very important things there. And I went through that list of guys that have signed long-term in Ottawa, and you can clearly hear from Jake Sanderson in that clip the appeal of having the core together long-term, right? Thomas Shabbat started it. Stutzla is going to be around. Kachuk is going to be around. All these guys have, you know, Jacob Chikrin's recently there. He's only got two years left on his deal, but he's added to it, right? These long-term deals for the Ottawa Senators, Josh Norris clearly lets the player know the direction they're going and if they like it, I think it's just that much easier for Jake Sanderson to put pen to paper. And look, is there risk associated with it? Of course there is. We assume the the, the salary cap is going to start to go up in, in large increments the next couple of years. I, I think that'll happen, no doubt. But to live up to an $8 million contract right out of your entry-level deal is a, is a big risk. They have 77 games of, of NHL proof to back up that contract. Now, was it a good 77-game sample? Sure it was. But even the Buffalo Sabres with Rasmus Dahlin went on a bridge contract, and they'll have to pay the upside of that very, very soon. But they took a little bit more time with a guy that was a, you know, a pretty clear number one overall selection in his draft before making the decision to go long-term with him. Now, of course... You, you're, everyone wants to hit that, that home run contract in this, right? This is what NHL GMs want to do is they want to take a calculated risk. And the, the calculated risk is you have a sample size. It's a smaller sample size than had you waited another year. But had you waited another year, the contract probably cost you more because everyone wants to find the next Nathan McKinnon contract, the Nikita Kucherov contract, whatever it is. For the Ottawa Senators, the goal with the Jake Sanderson, and for all of those, right? I mean, Tim Stutzla has produced at a high level right away, but for the most part, you're hoping that maybe in years one and two of this contract, maybe it's a slight overpay, but for the back half of the contract, you hope it's a massive discount on what it could have been if you instead decided to bridge the player and would have to go you know, in the $10, $11 million range 
depending on what he turns out to be. Again, is there a risk it doesn't work out? Absolutely there is. But if you're the Ottawa Senators, the upside for it and the upside potentially of having all of these guys signed up together to these contracts and no one being over that 8.3 mark that Tim Stutzler comes in gives you a lot of assurances going forward that you've got a, a good group of your forwards and now a good group on defense locked in and ready to go for the next couple of years. And clearly it's led to a lot of confidence. You heard that last quote from from Jake Sanderson there. We know we're going to win. It's just, you know, when is it going to happen? That's how confident they are about the group they have in Ottawa. And one of the guys that kind of started that was Thomas Shabbat, and he was uh, available for media comments too. And uh, you can tell his teammates, uh, Jake Sanderson's teammates, very excited to have him part of this core going forward. Here's what Thomas Shabbat had to say on uh, the other defenseman getting a long-term deal in Ottawa. What message does it send when you see a teammate like Jake Sanderson sign that big contract just to get that core in place? Yeah, it's uh, pretty good coming back to Ottawa for him. But no, I mean, everybody's fired up. I mean, he's so talented. Um, what he proved last year, it's, he's earned every, every, every bit of it. And obviously, um, you guys get to know him too on a little bit. And in his attitude, the way he, he carries himself around the room, he's, he's, he's way old. He seems like he's way older than his age. And, uh, and, and that I think every guy appreciates that in the locker room. And obviously, yeah, we're all happy for him. And um, for him to be in the city of Ottawa, I think everybody's probably very, very excited. And it's got to be very excited to have him around for – uh, what, eight, nine years with, with this year. So, uh, no, he's earned every bit of it. And obviously we're all excited to have him. Just the way, the way he plays, I mean, he's strong defensively, moves the puck really well. Obviously skates, uh, skates like the wind. So obviously to, 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 to have him on the back end and, and, and the way he plays the game with uh, so much respect, it's, it's, it's awesome to see and it's great for this team to have. He was 21 last year, so the poise at which he did it on a consistent basis, is that maybe the most impressive thing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he came in and, like I said, it looked like he was uh, five years older than he actually was, and that's that tells a lot about his personality, the way he walks around the room, the way he uh, takes care of his body on a daily basis. So, um, I mean, you guys have seen great things of him last year, but... Uh, I don't think you've seen it all. I think he's, he's going to keep on getting better, improving year after year, and, and become one of the best defensemen. Thomas Shabbat on the Jake Sanderson extension. It's got a lot of people talking in their own markets and around the NHL. If we start to see more and more of these deals out of entry-level contracts, and I'll bring it back to the Calgary Flames because I think there's an interesting comparable that you can make with the Calgary Flames going forward with their young players that are coming up. You have Kandri, you have Huberto, and you have Mackenzie Wieger signed long-term right now. You can add Blake Coleman, I guess, to that uh, conversation as well. He's got three years after this year still remaining on his contract. But as far as young players go in the Calgary Flames organization right now, there aren't a lot of players signed up long-term. But there's some interesting players in the Calgary system. And I'm curious if any of them right now heading into this season intrigue Flames fans enough to say, I wouldn't mind if Craig Conroy found a way to sign that player to a long-term deal and get him locked up as part of the next core in Calgary. 
And I say that because I think there are a couple of very interesting options. Does a Jacob Peltier fit that mold? Does Matthew Coronado, who's played in just one NHL game, but after this season will be eligible for a contract extension, is he a guy that you could potentially see there being interest in? What about Dustin Wolf? Yes, Jacob Marfstrom has two years on his contract after this season. But if you were able to convince Dustin Wolf that he is the goaltender of the future, he's got a spot here, we're going to pay up a little bit more early on this contract so that we have you locked in at a nice number for us in years three, four, five, six, whatever down the road, would you do that? What about uh, the most recent first-round pick of the Calgary Flames, Sam Honzik? If you've listened to Flames talk, one of the conversations we've had recently and we'll have as we head into training camp, is that a young man that we could see in the NHL sooner than later? He's got a lot of NHL-ready tools. But in a couple of years' time, when he makes that jump to the NHL that we expect him to make, is that a guy that you could see the Calgary Flames investing in long-term. Bradshaw Living did a really nice job during his tenure here of putting some really good contracts on the books for a lot of RFA guys. I think of Rasmus Anderson, the deal he's on right now at, at $4.55 million is an absolute steal. Uh, I know there's a lot going around with uh, Elias Lindholm right now, but you can't make any doubts that the last couple of years of his contract at $4.85 million have been an absolute steal, is Dylan Dubé. A guy at 25 years old, someone that you would commit long-term dollars in. And it's all the, it's the risk-reward category, right? The Ottawa Senators took a chance and a gamble on Jake Sanderson after 77 games and said, look, we think that you're projecting so well into the future that for us it makes sense to do this right now. We're okay if we overpay you by a little bit in the first couple of years because we're going to make it up on the back half of the contract. Do the Calgary Flames have any of those guys in your mind that you could possibly think about going the long-term one? The one that intrigues me the most is Dustin Wolf. Could you, after this year, conceivably, knowing the salary cap's going up, could you go to Dustin Wolf and say, look, we think you're going to be our starting goaltender of the future. We want to get that locked in right now. Sure, maybe the games won't equal out the same. Maybe it'll take another year before you're splitting time as equally with Jacob Markstrom as we think you will be. But we want to get it done now so that this isn't your part of our core going forward. So that you can start to sell, like the Ottawa Senators have done, to your other young players, hey, this is the core we're building around. We're ready to invest in you guys right away. We don't need to talk about a bridge contract. We're going to go right out of your entry-level contract. We're going to talk about what a long-term deal looks like. Who would that be? You can send us a text at 960-960 if you're listening live. We'll throw this up on our social medias as well, at Sportsnet960 on Instagram and Twitter. But is there that guy? Is Do you think Sam Honzik could be that guy? 
We haven't seen him at an NHL level. The next time we see him, presumably, will be at the Young Stars Classic coming up in Penticton, and we'll be interested to see what he brings to his first NHL training camp. But is that a guy that you think, when his time comes, when he's at that last year of his entry-level contract, which he's already signed with the Flames, is that a guy that you could see Craig Conroy and the rest of this staff in Calgary, this new hockey management staff, saying, hey, we're not going to go down the bridge contract, right? They've kind of done that with Duve a few times here, right? You've kind of waited a couple years, you've given it a couple here and there, and you're just waiting for that that breakout so that you can go ahead and, and give them that long-term one. Do you skip that with some of these guys? I think there's a, a very good conversation to be had. Like I said, I think Dustin Wolf's at the top of that list because he's performed so well at every level and it's something that you can have as a conversation after this year and you've got more of a sample size for him because look he's only played in one NHL game and it was a meaningless one at the end of last season against San Jose you obviously want a bigger sample size than that and the same goes with Coronado same goes with Pelche who has more NHL time on his books than either of those guys but still sits at just 24 Right, So if he's at a 100-game sample at the end of the year, is that enough for you to invest long-term in one of those guys? And it doesn't have to be eight years, $8 million like a Jake Sanderson. Could you take a five-year deal for, for Matt Coronado? Would you look at doing a six-, seven-year deal with Jacob Pelche if the money was right? I think it's one to look for because you've got money coming off of the books in the next couple of years because you don't have, aside from those three pieces we talked about, Huberto, Kandri, Uyghur, you don't really have anybody booked long-term for this team right now. 5.35 comes off for Backlund. We don't know what's happening with Elias Lindholm and his money right now. Dubé is at $2.3 million. He's in RFA. Hannafin's 4.9, Tanev 4.5, 3.75 for Zadorov. I'm just curious if there's anybody out there that you would possibly make that offer to. Uh, a couple texts at 960960. Danny Cochran says Coronado after this season, possibly. Uh, this one says, Where are the Flames getting this money? I, I think. There's plenty of money coming off the books the next couple of years that give the Flames that ability to do that. Plus, we're talking about a salary cap that we're expecting to make massive jumps in the next couple of years. Maybe none of these guys qualify for you. Maybe you're uh, wanting to play it safer type of armchair GM in this conversation. Maybe you want to sit there and say, look, I want to see two or three seasons of Matt Coronado at the NHL level before I'm willing to invest a seven, eight-year contract to that kind of guy. But it's something that after the Ottawa Senators have done it for a lot of different players now, has got people thinking. Uh, this text says, Flames can sign Dustin Wolf now. Six and a half million by eight. I think that would settle a potential storm of Wolf only wanting a bridge if this year doesn't go his way. Um, this one says, if the Flames plan on having a smaller team in the future, 
You could go ahead and sign guys like Pelche and Coronado. Yeah, I mean, look, I, the size thing I don't think is 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 necessarily what I I think is the bigger part of the conversation here. I just think is there is there that kind of talent? Is there a guy on the Flames roster right now or upcoming that you think fits that bill of of what Jake Sanderson just happened? To come across in Ottawa, is there a guy with a small sample size that you'd like to see the Flames take a chance on? A couple interesting names. Hanzig, Wolf, Pelche, Coronado, all of them sort of fitting after this season into that same category of, of sample size. I'm curious if we see the Flames go down that road. I'm curious if we see more NHL teams go down that road knowing that the salary cap's going to go up and you can potentially get a steal. This is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. We'll shift the conversation over to football. It is opening night in the NFL. Week one kicks off with the Kansas City Chiefs beginning their Super Bowl title defense against the Detroit Lions. Around the corner, we'll have Sean Merriman, former NFL linebacker, join the program to get you set for the NFL season. we still got Stamps Talk coming up, plus a chat with Adnan Verk all over the next 90 minutes. You can keep it locked to Sportsnet 960, the fan. Week one of the NFL season officially kicks off tonight. The Kansas City Chiefs begin their Super Bowl title defense against what could be an upstart Detroit Lions team. Looking forward to this one. Thursday night football gets us going before a full slate of Sunday night games and Monday night football for week number one. Looking forward to it and very looking, very much looking forward to this next conversation as well. Heard him on the station before, but to help us get teed up. For tonight's matchup and a little bit of uh, NFL discussion as well. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcoming three-time NFL All-Pro linebacker for the Buffalo Bills and the San Diego Chargers. Sean Merriman joins us this afternoon. Sean, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great, thank you. Really excited for uh, for tonight. I'm curious. It's been a while since you played. You still get opening night jitters when the season rolls around? I do, but it's it's morally uh, more so you know going against other people's fan bases on social media. Right? <laughs> you uh, you know I'm kind of locked and loaded uh, with all the ammo that I need because you got to deal with the Raiders fans and the Chiefs fans yeah. and all these guys fans out here and 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 that that to me is the funnest part. But more importantly, man, it's so much talk during the off season, right? So much hype and who's coming in and which coach is going to do what. And the first game is a, first, is a demonstration of what you're going to be for the rest of the season. So, uh, you know, this is an exciting time for everybody that loves football. Do you remember your first opening night in the NFL, Sean, your very first game? Yeah, actually, I didn't play. I had a, <laughs> I had a knee injury, I believe, from the offseason. Um, but I, I remember in 2006, in my second year, uh, we had a, a, a Monday night football game to open the season. We played the Raiders. Um, yeah, I think I had four or five sacks that game, but it was just the, the talk, the all offseason about the Raiders and the, the teams and the coach and what they're going to do. And, I mean, I was fired up. I couldn't get to the game fast enough. I remember having to take sleeping medicine the night before, man. I was up and down walking in the hallways <laughs> of the of the hotels. And, and so it's, I get the feeling that the players have on the first game of the year. Yeah, it feels like it's, it brings it up every single time. And as we get ready for the season, we've had a couple of training camp holdouts coming back when you see a guy like Nick Bosa get paid does it make you think hey maybe I could still strap on and go for a couple sacks this week uh, I, I got 15 plays in me for sure when I saw the contact <laughs> I was stretching my hamstrings in the living room and uh 
I remember I almost strained my back getting out of bed in the morning, so I got, I quickly shoved that. But, you know, I look, I know that people are going to say, for one, first of all, I think that Nick Bosa deserves every penny that he that he got. Yeah. I mean, he's such a dynamic player. He's so explosive. He, he's a game changer. That team is different. Not the defense. That team is different when he's on the field. You saw what happened to them when he went down with that knee injury. They were they were they wasn't as good. Um, the second part of that is is that the contracts naturally just go up because it's a business, right? Every single year, 10-15% more, a guy's going to make more money. Um, and you got to think, a guy like Mike McKay, uh, Mika Parsons, when he's up, right? I mean, that con- his contract is also going to be outrageous. So every year it, you're going to see these big jumps in contracts, especially from the defensive guys who, who you're asking to go out there to stop the quarterback. Why is pass rusher such a valued position now, Sean? Why is it kind of – it feels like to me, I, I look at the, the, the way the NFL landscape goes, quarterback's always going to be at the top. You know that that guy's going to get paid. But it sure feels like those guys that can get after the passer on a consistent basis are – it feels like they're number two when it comes to what GMs are willing to spend uh, on their top-tier players. No question about it, and they should, right? You're asking, for one, we all know the highest paid and the most important position on the field is the quarterback. Well, what positions have the most possibilities of stopping the quarterback? And that's an edge rusher. The second, you would say, a, a, a great cornerback. These guys are shut down corners and not only stop the wide receivers, but also create turnovers. And so when you're able to create turnovers and big play moments and situations, those positions are going to get paid highest because – you know, we, we put so much emphasis on the quarterback position nowadays. you got to pay the guys who can stop us. Has the, the pass rushing position in your mind changed even from when you were, you were playing, Sean, just because of, of how the quarterback positions changed and become such an athletic position for guys like Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes? It feels like there's less pocket passers than in your day when you were chasing down, you know, a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady on a day-to-day basis. It feels like pass rushers nowadays have a lot more to deal with when you got these guys that can run around in the pocket. Oh, no question. I, I would love to keep dealing with the, the, the slow, stiff quarterback of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. <laughs> um, you know, and Ben Roethlisberger, well, Ben Roethlisberger was a little mobile, but, yeah. you know, those guys weren't very shifty, so you can pin your ears back and go, right? You're not afraid to go up the field and under a, a tackle and, and try to get them underneath because guess what? They're not looking to rush or scramble in the first place. Now, you know, you got these guys, even the ones that are considered really good passers, like a pass from Holmes, he's still very mobile. You know, Patrick Mahomes iced that game last year, an AFC Championship game, using his legs, and he was hurt. So, you know, a Lamar Jackson and, and Kyler Murray, these guys who can just run for days and get out of the pocket, even Justin Herbert, as big as he is, if you look at his physical stat, uh, stature, he is very mobile. So I'm, I'm glad that the game has changed, but I'm also glad that I don't have to chase him around. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet it's a little different now than it used to be uh, with some of those guys and what they can do, and they put you on a highlight reel running out there uh, more now than maybe they ever did. Uh, I'm curious. I saw you You, were, you mentioned you were on Twitter getting ready for the Chiefs. They're obviously a, an old AFC West rival of your days in San Diego. What's it like going into Arrowhead Stadium? It sounds like it's one of the loudest buildings in the league, and of course – They've got a couple of Super Bowl titles with this kid, Patrick Mahomes, the last couple of years. What do you see when you go into a, a challenge like going up against KC on opening night? It's miserable. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's miserable. And, and, it's, and it's not as bad, right? This point of the year, the weather's still pretty decent, right? It, it, it's terrible playing there in, in November, December. Uh, you know, that time of the year, the, the field is tundra, it's hard. 
they're loud, it's cold. I mean, all those things. Um, I, but I think tonight the, the Lions, uh, the Chiefs have a real problem with the Lions. I mean, they, they're going to have a real issue. Um, and I and I was already on the fence even with Travis Kelsey playing. If he's not playing, um, it, I, I got the Lions winning tonight. You know, Chris Jones not being on the field, the Lions are going to run the football. They know that they that they got an opportunity to do that. Um, and I look, I know the Paxton Holmes is great. I think the Chiefs are making a terrible mistake by not paying Chris Jones. Talk to me about that because I imagine, especially from your experience, Sean, knowing what a guy can do in the interior like that with 15 and a half sacks from that nose tackle spot, that's got to be invaluable for a team to be able to create pressure from the middle of the line like a Chris Jones can do. It, it is it is almost next to impossible, in my opinion. There's only two guys in the National Football League who can do it, and that's Chris Jones and Aaron Donald. Um, if you look at that game in the Super Bowl last year, as great as Pax Mahomes played and they did some great things, you look at who closed that game out. It was Chris Jones. Yep. who finished that game off and who, who, who iced the game for them. So um, guys like that, they only come around every 10 or 15 years. Um, you know, I don't want to put him on Aaron Donald level, but he is certainly up there. And, and I guess for the Chiefs, too, it's, it's also part now we're getting to the point where he hasn't been at OTAs, he hasn't been at training camp. When they do eventually come to a contract extension, which you, you think is going to happen, it's going to take Chris Jones a little bit to ramp up, right? I mean, we could be talking about a guy, Sean, that's maybe not at his peak for a couple of weeks, even once he does come back to the team, right? Yeah, and he, that's all got to be accounted for, right? Through the training staff, because um, there's no way to, to replicate an actual football movement without playing football. So he's going to have to get his football shape. Um, but let me tell you, if he's on the field 30 or 35 plus a game and he's uh, in critical moments, he's, he's going to be very effective. Right, and then the yeah. next game you play him, you know, thirty, thirty-five to forty snaps, and you kind of just work him in because also you don't want him to get hurt being on the field and, and trying to rush him back too much. But man, they they need to get him back in that locker room as fast as possible, and we're gonna find out tonight just how fast. And, and let me <laughs> let me tell you, if the Lions start to gas them on runs, that contract will be done by first thing tomorrow morning. Yeah, let's talk about those Lions. You mentioned them a bit there. You like what they're doing there. Dan Campbell sure seems to be a guy that uh, loves his his coaches and his players get to to really have a good relationship. They had a strong finish to last season, knocked the Packers out of a playoff spot. Do you like what they're building in Detroit, Sean? I do, a lot. Um, And and more importantly, I I believe that that division has gotten a lot weaker. Uh, With Aaron Rodgers leaving, Dalvin Cook is gone. They've taken some serious hits. Um, so I think that if the Lions are, are will come out on top, if they do come out on top this year in that division, I, they will be a very, very dangerous team to play in the playoffs. Is it interesting to see a, a team like Detroit so committed to to the run game? They obviously drafted Gibbs so high. They've got some talent there for the running back position with David Montgomery coming over from Chicago. Is that kind of, in your mind, a, a different approach from Dan Campbell, one that can be successful? Because it feels like, so many teams now are committed to throwing the ball, you know, 30, 40 times a game. It feels like Detroit has one of those few running back combinations that could run the ball down your throat every night. It, it, it's going to be a huge help because I know that people are not high on, on Jared Goff and, and they shouldn't be. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but he's dangerous enough to hurt you when he can, right? So if they're going out having an effective run game and that defense started to have to come up to start the run, put, you know, eight or nine guys in the box, that's going to open up the wide receivers down the field. And Jared Goff is more than capable of making those type of plays. 
They play great defense, don't turn the ball over. And, and, and Dan the Campbell, one more thing about the coach, man, his mentality is to play that hard nose, keep the game close. We're going to pound you into the dirt for four-quarter type of football. That is, those are the scary teams to play because they don't care about beating you by two or three touchdowns. They just want to win, and they'll keep the ball away from you, uh, not make any big mistakes of penalties, and just drive the ball as long as they possibly can. And they got one of those special pass rushers on their side, too, with uh, young Aiden Hutchinson coming in on that defense, eh? You know, I thought, in my opinion, uh, and nothing against, uh, you know, the cornerback, I think it was Sauce Gardner, right, yeah. who, who won the uh, defensive rookie of the year. He's a, he's a tremendous talent. Hutchinson, man, I don't think people paid attention to him enough last year, and I think he's due for a breakout season as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm really excited to see what Detroit can do. They finished so strong last year, and I think they can make a lot of noise heading into Arrowhead tonight. Sean Merriman's along with us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline, former All-Pro NFL linebacker and the uh, founder of Lights Out uh, as well. We'll get to some fighting talk with Sean in just a little bit, but i got to ask you about your Chargers. I know you're still loyal to Bolt Nation. Justin Herbert gets paid since the last time we talked. How do you feel about the, the Chargers investing in their future with Justin Herbert under center? Man, you got to be excited right now if you're a Chargers fan. Obviously, Justin Herbert is a great quarterback, great talent, great arm strength. But the, the addition to Kellen Moore coming onto that team is what people are really excited about. Um, he has more weapons than he's ever had this entire career. Nothing against Dak Prescott, but Dak Prescott is not Justin Herbert, right? They have plenty of wide receivers with the Chargers with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, Everett at tight end, uh, the new kid Johnson, who they just uh, drafted from TCU. They're, they're going to be extremely explosive this year. And Kellen Moore is, is walking into a uh, situation where he got a, a Ferrari, and all he does is got to put the keys <laughs> in it and, and, uh, and slam on the gas. That's it. And, and defensively, it feels like a team. They got Khalil Mack there, a veteran. Eric Kendricks come in that linebacker spot. I know uh, they had Joey Bosa talking the other day about having a, a guy calling the defense like Eric Kendricks is from that linebacker spot has just made all the difference in training camp. Is that something that – that you've noticed over the years too, Sean, is whoever's got that green dot, whoever's making the calls in the huddle and defense can be such a big difference factor for, for any defensive unit. Yep. And Kendrick's at, and he's, he's uh, voted as a team captain this year. And so that tells you a lot when somebody can come in the first year um, and, and be voted up there, whether you have superstars in your team, like they're Derwin and, and, and Joey Bosa and, and Khalil Mack and all these great players that they have, he's coming in as a team captain. When you have that kind of credibility as a veteran, you walk in the locker room right away and you got to support the rest of the guys. And people are not talking about him enough as well. He, he could be another one to have a, another breakout season. I wanted to ask you specifically about Joy Bosa because he talked about uh, heading into training camp. He's eating more than he ever did. He's added some size to his body. He thinks that's going to help him be a little bit more resilient throughout the year, a little bit more reliable. He won't have so many of those little nicks and bruises that battle them throughout the season. You, you, what do you think when you hear a guy talk like that about trying to, to bulk up from that position? Because I, I think a lot of people would say, well, aren't you giving up speed when you're doing that? But for a guy like Joey Bosa, it feels like his strength can be, you know, whether it is bull rushing, cutting down the line to, to make a tackle on defense or rushing the passer. It kind of feels like his responsibilities fall in all three areas, Sean. Yeah, I think it's great self-awareness, man. And it's hard as a player to say, hey, I need to do this because I suck at this, right? I mean, yeah. it's one of those yep. things where 
you, you have to watch film and say, hey, you know what, I, I can't hold this block. I'm getting pushed out of the hole by offensive tackles. I need to put on five or ten pounds so I can sustain the, the you know, the kind of the, the physicalness of, of, a, of a long season. So it, it, I, I was, you know, looking at him and, and knowing him too, I was really appreciative because somebody who was accomplished so much as he did to actually sit back and say, hey, man, I need to put on some weight because I'm getting thrown out the club, right? I'm getting thrown out the <laughs> out the hole here and I can't I can't take on the block and it, it takes a lot for a superstar a big name like him to come out and say something and also go fo- and follow through with it have you spent a, a lot of time I know as an alumni member you're around the team every now and then have you spent a lot of time chatting with with Brandon Staley and, and trying to get a feel for what he's done as a first-time head coach these last couple of years how do you feel uh, he's set to go for this team leading them into year three you know, uh, Brandon Staley, I was one of the first guys he called when he got hired. Okay. Uh, my phone rang at night when he got hired, and he reached out. Um, and he's very aware um, of having people who and former players who made an impact with the organization and kind of get their support. He would ask questions about certain things that he needs to do. He's very, that, that just shows me, man, if you're not above anything and he's a player's coach, they respect him. Um, and I think that the offensive coordinator last year, you know, put him in some very bad situations, right? I mean, when they got kicked out of the playoffs by Jacksonville, it was because they started to play dink and dunk football, right? Uh, take your foot off the gas and let the Jacksonville Jaguars come back. Now, the offensive coordinator is not going to get the, the brunt of, of the negative talk. It's going to be Brandon Selly because he's the head coach. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that's going to change there in people's perception of him because Kellen Moore is much different than what they had last year. Uh, Sean, obviously, uh, since you've been out of football the last couple of years, we know that uh, you got into lights out extreme fighting. That's been a, a big thing for you the last couple of years. And we're a month away today from an event you guys got going on in Long Beach. Uh, you guys are showing up uh, for Thunder Studio Saturday, October 7th. Morales v. Tolliver. You got a main event coming up. How excited are you for a month from today? You guys will be in Long Beach for another big event. We're very, very excited. Uh, both of these guys have fought for us before. Um, as you know, I've been you know, in the MMA space for 17 years, so I know which fighters have bad blood, which guys <laughs> don't, don't like each other, and managers don't like each other. And these two guys definitely don't like each other, for sure. I've trained with them both. I've been in both of their different gyms. Um, and so I was very specific about putting this fight together. You know, these guys fought in Bellator and UFC, Big, you know, big names in MMA. I'm glad they're fighting for us. So uh, October 7th, um, we'll be in Long Beach, but we'll be live on Football TV, Football Sports. You guys don't have football, get it. Um, and no, oh, by the way, man, it was a great article that was written in uh, Toronto Sun um, a few weeks back. That, that was just awesome, um, just about the growth of Lights Out and being up 70 percent now on Football Sports. So it's been been pretty cool. That's awesome to hear, man. You guys have put so much work into it. Uh, I'm glad you guys are getting that recognition. How big of a card are we looking at for uh, for October 7th, man? How many fights are you going to guys be putting out on Long Beach? Oh, we'll have 12 fights. We'll have, you know, five or six amateurs and six or seven pro or somewhere around there. Uh, we always expect a fighter to the drop, right? You got yeah. some, some guys that come in and don't make weight or injury during the week of, and that's just part of the fight game. But we should walk into the fight around 10 or 12 fights. Uh, looking forward to it as always. Again, you mentioned Fubo Sports, Fubo TV. If you happen to be in the area, I know a lot of Calgarians up here like to go head out to uh, Long Beach for some vacationing. Uh, I believe LightsOutXF.com is the place to get tickets if anyone's interested, right? Yep, absolutely. And then uh, more information coming out, giving out free po- uh, uh, prizes. 
Uh, if people want to come to the fight, free tickets, VIP set up, come to the cage with the fighters and backstage. And uh, you can find all that information out on LightsOutXF.com. Perfect. They're also at the same tag on Twitter, at LightsOutXF. If you want to follow the man himself, he's at Sean Merriman, former NFL linebacker for the Buffalo Bills and the San Diego Chargers. Sean, always appreciate the time, man. Thank you for hopping on. Enjoy the game tonight. I hope we can chat again soon. You got it, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Sean Merriman joining us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. That is a three-time NFL All-Pro linebacker and now the founder of Lights Out Extreme Fighting. If you have any interest uh, in the Lights Out side of things, he's got it all over his Twitter, or you can find them, uh, like I mentioned, on Twitter, at Lights Out XF. Uh, they also have, like I said, many ways to stream it, Fubo Sports, Fubo TV, all of their uh, tags available on Sean's Twitter account there. And I had to ask him, you know, for for a guy like like Sean Merriman, who was a prolific pass rusher for a couple of years in the NFL, you see Nick Bosa and you see these guys getting these massive contracts. It's got to make you think, man. Did I did I get out of the game too soon? Nick Bosa signing just an absolute monster contract, highest paid player, uh, defensive player in NFL history. Want to make sure I got that one right. Uh, Adam Schefter had it. it was a five year, hundred and seventy million dollar contract extension. With the 49ers, $122.5 million guaranteed highest defensive paid player in NFL history. We even had a Lions fan chiming in on the fan feedback line at 960-960. This guy saying Lions fans getting out early, tuned in to hear the NFL talk. Love it. Lions hype train at full speed already. Let's go. I got the Lions 34, Chiefs 23. This is the best Lions team of my life, I think. One playoff win since 1957. Let that sink in. Crazy. Don't sleep on Jameson Williams. Dude might have been uh, taken last year without top wide receiver taken last year without an ACL injury. Missed six games. Yeah, Jameson Williams is a guy that I've stashed on a couple of my fantasy team benches. I think there's a lot of talent there. And joining Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs is there. Again, I'm with Sean. I don't really know how I feel about Jared Goff, but I like pretty much everything else about the Lions team. And that's kind of scary to say because... As long as I've been alive and as long as this texter's been alive, it sounds like uh, you're dealing with a Lions team that's been pretty awful. But uh, they've got a big test tonight. We still don't have an update on Travis Kelsey's status for tonight's game. So if you're a Chiefs fan, if you're playing fantasy football and you happen to have drafted Travis Kelsey, uh, as of this point, I don't have any news that can help you uh, about his status. Again, he hyperextended his knee uh, a couple of days ago in practice. Sounds like he's going to have a morning workout to see exactly what his status is going to be for tonight's game. But uh, the Kansas City Chiefs not doing anybody any early favors by announcing uh, his status as of yet. So it is the Lions. It is the Chiefs. They kick things off tonight. Week one of the NFL season is officially here. Looking forward to it. We'll dive in more with our NFL uh, fantasy football guru, Andy McNamara, on Friday's show to get you set for the whole slate of Sunday games and the Monday Nighter as well. Once again, thanks to Sean Merriman for joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. That'll put a wrap on Hour 1. We'll continue some of the football talk next. Uh, our pal Adnan Verk from MLB Network and NHL Network, big NFL fan, big Eagles fan. We'll ask him how he's feeling. We'll also get his thoughts on the playoff races around the major leagues. That is how we're going to kick off Hour 2. It's around the corner, and it's next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.